Sampaya. Salute. And salam. I'm Nia. I'm Leah. And I'm Lindsay. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to 1989 Year of Change. In this episode of 1989 Year of Change, we will be exploring the effect of change in 1989 in Cambodia, Afghanistan, and Romania through change in politics, economics, social aspects, and the impact of violence and impulsivity that led to reform. Today, I am here with Leah Johnson and Lindsay Carroll, who are experts in their respective fields. It is also ideal to consider how these countries' changes sparked future issues and how they affected the Cold War in general. First, we will hear from Leah Johnson, an expert on Afghanistan reform in 1989. Leah, during the time of the Civil War in Afghanistan, there was a series of effects that happened daily within the country. Can you give instances or explain the significance of these events? Well, after the Soviets seceded from the government in Afghanistan, the Taliban came into power, which eventually sent the entire country into a civil war. There was no national leadership, a devastated economy, and multiple armed groups throughout the country, and a civil war erupted between the Shia and the Mujahideen. In the midst of the war, there were several tragedies that occurred on a daily throughout Afghanistan, such as gang rapes, sexual violence, disappearing, and execution of innocent civilians, and abduction. These all became a systematic weapon of war and a means of ethnic cleansing. This resulted in leaving thousands of citizens dead and others leaving the city of Kabul. According to a Human Rights Watch report, over 25,000 people were killed, most of which were civilians in rocket and artillery attacks. By 1995, one-third of the city had been reduced to rubble and ash. After finally seizing other important cities, the Taliban took on full control of the capital of Afghanistan, Kabul. They claimed to do so under the name of establishing peace, security, and most importantly, their versions of Islamic or Sharia law. This created a significant impact on the city because they were enforcing orthodox rulings of their beliefs. Women could not work outside, couldn't attend school, and should follow a strict dress code of which burqa became a famous symbol. Men were required to grow long beards and refrain from western dress or haircuts. In 1998, the Taliban massacred over 2,000 people in the city of Mazar-e-Sharif because many people belonged to the Hazara ethnic minority. Several massacres of their doings followed suit, which soon led to the attacks on 9-11. And, as we all know, 9-11 occurred shortly after the Taliban came into power in Afghanistan. Did the United States play a role, or could they have prevented the instances leading up to this event? Yes, I believe so. As we know, in the Cold War, the United States' largest fear was the spread of communism. After the Soviets withdrew in 1992 as a result of the Geneva Accord, the U.S. completely lost its interest in Afghanistan. Mind you, while Afghanistan was battling the Soviets for the control of their country, the U.S. had been supplying them with equipment, military, and financial aid, and anything they could do so they could defeat the Soviet Union, mostly because of their close relations with Pakistan. Instead of losing interest, the U.S. should have noticed the spiral that Afghanistan was going down at the Taliban's hands so they could have put a stop to it. Terrorism had always been a worry or spark of interest with the Middle East towards the U.S., and this should have been taken much more seriously than it was. 9-11 could have potentially been avoided had we paid more attention to the path the Taliban were taking. Thanks, Leah. Lindsay, during 1989 in Romania, riots and violence spread quickly. How did the citizens cope with this violence and provoke change? I believe that the main coping strategy for most Romanians was the influence of theology. For instance, in Romania's latest revolution by Christianity Today, they show how after gaining independence from the communist regime, 
Christians were welcome to help with building Romania's new political process. As theology was a great part and in influence in Romania, Christians Peter Duglescu and Ion Alexandru both thought it was their holy duty to stand against their government and build one with civil rights included. Duglescu preached to a massive crowd on the day before Sisku would be executed and emphasized on focusing on God for help. Later, he would join Romania's House of Deputies. Alexandru also impacted Romania's revolution as he was a participant in Bucharest and he was elected by the Romanian Senate in 1990. Duglescu and Alexandru emphasizing on turning to God in times of hardships to help the revolution and to bring about change in all economic, political, and social aspects. They wanted religion to have a say in the building of a new political stance. They changed many Romanians' perspective on religion and helped them to cope with change in the country. Also, Stenole Dimitru was another Romanian Orthodox priest who helped to change the thoughts of many Romanians through preaching and publishing writings. In 1989, he could finally be recognized for his most important three-part writing piece called Orthodox Dogmatic Theology, where he discusses Christian theology and spirituality. After 1989, the fall of Seuscu, he joined the Reflection Group for the Renewal of the Church, which can be compared to a post-communist society support group. Under this group, he was named a person a part of prestigious Romanian academy. Stanoli helped to bring change to the tough social aspects of post-communist Romania. Finally, he gave hope to many and helped many restore their faith. This also shows the impact of a loss in faith due to communism and the Cold War. How Tocescu, the leader of Romania, helped lead to the Romanian Revolution and his own downfall, and how are future issues exposed due to his downfall? Yeah, that's a great question. I believe that the hatred Romanians started to have for Seescu really led to the Romanian Revolution and his downfall. Seescu avoided the improvement of living conditions during an economic depression in the 1980s. He also implemented a criticized program called systemization and limited national and civil rights while discriminating against some religions. This caused the Romanians and Turkish people to begin rioting in the city of Timisoara in demand for national rights, which eventually turned into a bloodbath. These riots spread to the capital of Bucharest, which turned them into revolution. By December 23, 1989, Suscu and his wife were captured, tried in court, and executed all in the same day. As the Romanians, the impact of this event gave Romanians freedom from the Communist Party, but also gave Romania the responsibility to build a new and improved government that, that would help improve the lifestyle for the people. For instance, they solved starvation through providing state and collective farmland for private use so people could grow their food. The impact of Suscu's limitations was a positive impact because there was no debt, so they would be able to receive loans easily. However, ethnic tensions in Transylvania occurred, which objected the establishment of schools and AIDS spread the nation as forced reproduction was a part of Suscu's dictatorship. To add, there was also the influence of Gorbachev on Sisku, which really impacted his downfall. Gorbachev's restriction changes affected movements across Eastern Europe, especially in Romania, which consisted of their horrific riots. These events would also eventually influence terrorism. Thanks, Lindsay. Now, let's move on to Cambodia. The Cambodian-Vietnamese War 
caused detrimental damage and corruption within the Phnom Penh regime. In my opinion, this greatly affected modern-day Cambodia. I believe that Cambodia's eventful past illuminates both the progress the nation has made and the issues that remain unsolved. I really think that it's important to start with the Khmer Rouge regime in order to truly understand the state of modern-day Cambodia. Under Pol Pot's influence, the Khmer Rouge brutally tortured and murdered two million Cambodian citizens within their four-year reign. Under the Communist Party of Kampuchea, the Khmer Rouge seized Phnom Penh and set out to transform Cambodia into what Pol Pot described as an agrarian utopia. Pol Pot executed anyone who valued intellect over agriculture, emptied out the cities, and abolished the use of money in hopes of establishing a new state of being. The horrific reign of the Khmer Rouge ended with the invasion of Vietnam in 1979. Vietnam's invasion and the establishment of the People's Republic of Kampuchea in Phnom Penh, in addition to their ultimate withdrawal from Cambodia in 1989, left what remained of the previously Vietnamese-controlled Cambodian government in a chaotic state. Hun Sen, a Vietnamese-influenced politician, remained in Cambodia after the Vietnamese withdrawal and managed to secure a permanent position in the Cambodian government, despite coming in second place during the 1993 election. That, in my opinion, was the determining factor in Cambodia's inevitable downfall. Ever since the coup, led by Hun Sen in 1997, Cambodia's resources and virtually all freedoms have been taken. The Vietnamese fostered a damaging system of corruption that severely impacted Cambodia's image in the eyes of many nations, including the United States. Today, Cambodia is one of the world's poorest countries. They operate on an open market system, which basically means that their economy functions without government regulation, there's a reduced safety net, and while a wider range of goods are accessible, the imbalance of wealth inhibits the lower class from benefiting. The majority of the population only earns approximately $128 a month for minimum wage. Another major issue is that Hun Sen and his party closely monitor each Cambodian newspaper and media outlet, restricting the citizens' freedom of speech. Hun Sen's authoritarian leadership style led Cambodia to where they are today, and unfortunately, I don't foresee any major improvements until Hun Sen no longer holds his position. In addition to the Cambodian-Vietnamese War, many attributed the corruption within Cambodia after Vietnam's withdrawal to the disorganized and impractical foreign policy. In comparison to the policies used in 1989, I believe that Cambodia's foreign policy has shifted substantially to meet their interests. I think that Cambodia's size has greatly impacted their foreign policy. As a small territory, Cambodia's priorities concerning foreign policy include protecting territorial integrity maintaining sovereignty and independence, preserving peace and stability, and sustaining economic development. Being such a small territory, Cambodia is constantly at risk of invasion by bigger and more influential nations. The 1980s inspired a shift in Cambodian foreign policy due to the strong desire to shed Cambodia's image of being a so-called Vietnamese puppet. Cambodia, specifically Phnom Penh, was eager to regain control. In addition to a much-needed transformation, a change in foreign policy was pushed in order to protect Cambodia from being caught in the middle of the tensions between the U.S. and China concerning geopolitics. But, unfortunately, 
Hun Sen's concerns do not align with the needs of the Cambodian citizens. Hun Sen has notoriously placed the image of Cambodia in the eyes of other nations before the needs of the Cambodian people. Important reforms in the areas of public welfare and economic development receive less funding each year, and the political parties within Phnom Penh have become more divided under Hun Sen's leadership. I think that while Cambodia's foreign policy includes adequate concerns, their protocols are extremely outdated and do not complement any prevalent issues of the nation today. Adaption is vital, especially since Cambodia is such a vulnerable nation. I believe that Cambodia needs to shift their focus from highlighting past mistakes and triumphs to identifying future problems. However, as I mentioned earlier, Cambodia cannot truly become an innovative and successful nation until they manage to get rid of their prudent and myopic leadership, which unfortunately will take time. As we wrap up this episode of 1989, Year of Change, we would like to leave you with a quote from Matthew Scully. Reforms will come, as all great reforms have always come, in ridding us of evils against both man and animal, not as we change our moral principles, but as we discern and accept the implications of principles already held. Despite being in varying regions, Cambodia, Afghanistan, and Romania each experienced trials and tribulations under oppressive leaders who claimed that their methods would essentially cleanse their respective countries of any prevalent hardships. These leaders enforced their methods using violence and impulsivity, which resulted in stagnation within each country. Their lack of willingness to accept the implications of principles already held greatly affected each country and still impacts them today. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of 1989, Year of Change. Leia, hold a hafez, la revedere, and goodbye.